evidence and answers. We all have friends or family members who may not believe in the same God that we do. Here's the age-old question. Is Jesus the only way? What do you think? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, let's listen to one of our breakout sessions taken from the 2017 Apologetics Conference held in Hawaii. Each year, Pat hosts this conference and brings out the best scholars, teachers, and authors to share in teaching and equipping you, the believer, to be able to share your faith effectively in our culture today. The theme was demolishing strongholds of unbelief. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Listen as Pat Zucran shares part two of his message, Is Jesus the Only Way? Who knows the whole thing? Somebody sees the whole picture. Everyone's blind, but there's one person that sees the whole picture clearly. Who is that? Yeah, it's the pluralist. The pluralist believes everybody's blind except him. All right? He thinks everybody's wrong except him. Well, how narrow-minded is that? You know, you think pluralists are not narrow-minded? Disagree with one. All right? And see what kind of response you get. Hey, you have to know something about reality in order to say we cannot know or we do not have a clear picture of reality. That's the answer to the riddle here. Now, in order to address the issue of pluralism, he must first come to an understanding of the nature of truth. Okay, skeptics will often say, you guys think Jesus is the only way? Wow, how narrow-minded. Well, you tell them, exactly, because that's the nature of truth. And if we believe there's truth, we're all narrow-minded. Because truth, by its nature, is exclusive. It's absolute and it's narrow. That's the nature of truth. Truth excludes its opposite. Opposites can't be true at the same time and in the same way. All right? Truth exists. It's undeniable. To say there's no such thing as truth, guess what? She just made a statement of truth. All right? So your opening premise is false. It's a self-defeating argument. To say there are no absolutes, you just made an absolute. All right? Truth exists. It's undeniable. And truth by its nature is exclusive and it's narrow because truth excludes its opposite. Two plus two equals four. Can it equal eight? Can it equal ten? Well, if you had that kind of math, you can't have a mathematical system. You can't have accounting. You can't have finance. You can't have engineering. You can't have the sciences. Two plus two equals four and only four. How narrow-minded. Well, that, that's the nature of truth. Okay? A triangle has how many sides? Can I have 10? Have tw- can I have as much as I want it to have? Oh, how narrow-minded. Well, that's the nature of truth. Truth is universal. Truth is exclusive. And truth is narrow. All right? What's my name? Pat Zucaran. Can I be... President Barack Obama? Oh, how narrow-minded. No, it's Pat Zuckerman. That's it. Okay, I'm not anybody else. All right, that's the nature. That's the nature of truth. Okay, so when people say, oh, how narrow-minded you are, well, that's the nature of truth. Okay, truth excludes its opposite. 
Okay, this is the basic law of thinking. It's the basic law of logic. We all use it all over the world. It's Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. Opposites cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. Without this principle, you can't have logical conversations. You can't even have a conversation okay, without using Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. Avicenna, a Muslim philosopher, said this, Anyone who denies the law of non-contradiction should be beaten and burned until he admits that to be beaten is not the same as not to be beaten, and to be burned is not the same as not to be burned. A little extreme, but you get the point. We apply this every day. It's the basis of our rational thinking. Truth is absolute. A triangle has three sides. Is that true in China? Is it true here? Yeah. Was it true a thousand years ago? Yeah. True today will be true tomorrow. All right. Truth is absolute. Truth is universal. Truth is narrow. And truth is exclusive. Okay. You can't function without that kind of definition of truth. All right. When you go to the pharmacist for your prescription, you better hope he has a narrow definition of truth. Okay. If you go up to him and you say, how many pills am I supposed to take each day? And he goes, one or two, three, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, take as many as you want, okay? No, you want him to say, look, you can only take one, all right? When you go into your accountant's office, okay, to do your taxes and figure out your financial situation, you better hope he has a narrow view of truth, okay? If you go in and say, how much in my account? And he goes, whatever you want. What do you want, 100000 200000 50 bucks? What do you want? Whatever you want, okay? No, you fire him in a minute. Truth is exclusive. Truth is narrow. Truth is absolute. That's just the nature of truth. Now, built on that, we should reject pluralism for several reasons. First, basic logic, okay? Basic logic reasons against it. Okay, the law of non-contradictions. Opposite cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. And religions teach contradictory truth claims. They're making contradictory truth claims. So they cannot all be true at the same time and in the same way. If God exists, then the proposition God does not exist cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. Someone's wrong here. Now, if you look at the basic teachings of the world religions, you would soon discover they're making contradictory truth claims. We're not all saying the same thing. Let's take a look briefly in these four areas. The nature of God, the nature of man, the destiny of man, and salvation. All right, when it comes to the nature of God, all right, atheist religions such as Southern Buddhism and others say there's no God. Hindus say God is not a person. He's the impersonal energy. He's the cosmic energy of the universe. Everything is God and God is in everything. He's the cosmic energy that is made up of everything in the universe. Buddhists, okay, Southern Buddhists, they're atheists. God is not part of that system there. He's completely irrelevant to the Buddhist system. Muslims say God is a unified monotheistic God. To associate God with anyone else, that God has a son, you've committed the unpardonable sin of shirk, blasphemy, the sin that's worthy of death. Judaism also teaches a unified theism, okay, that there's one God, okay, just one person. 
Christians teach we are Trinitarian theists. There's one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hey, so take a look at that. Are we all saying the same thing when it comes to the idea of God? Is God a non-personal energy or is he a person? Does he exist? Does he not exist? Is he just one person or is he a trinity or is the trinity complete blasphemy? Take a look at the nature of man. Atheist ideologies say man is just a material being, a flesh surrounding chemistry. Hindus teach if all is one, Atman is Brahman. Man is essentially divine. The cosmic energy that flows through the universe flows through all of us and ultimately we are divine. Buddhism teaches that men are basically good, okay, but just unenlightened. We're ignorant. That's our problem. Okay? We don't understand true reality and our individuality. We don't understand that, our nature. Islam teaches that man is basically good but weak, okay? and he needs the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah to help him. Judaism teaches that man is born a blank slate, and through his good works and obeying the love Judaism, he can attain favor with God. Christianity teaches we are born sinners. There is absolutely nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do. And left to ourselves, generally speaking, we will do what is self-serving because we have a bent towards sin. Well, which one is it? Are we all saying the same thing? Are we saying we're just a material being or we have an immaterial soul and spirit? Are we good? Are we sinful? Are we divine or are we mortal, physical beings? What about the destiny of man? What happens after death? Atheist ideologies say extinction. That's it. Once you die, that's it. You go six feet under, it's over. Nothing survives the death of the body. Hindus say you're in an endless cycle of reincarnation. You can go through millions and millions of reincarnations until you become absorbed into the one. Buddhism teaches you in an endless cycle of rebirth until you extinguish all desire and attachment to this world and you become nothing. Nirvana, the extinguishing of all. You no longer, no more conscious existence. Muslims say for Muslim men on the day of judgment, their works will be weighed. And if Allah is merciful, he'll allow Muslim men into paradise. And well, they will be drinking from rivers of wine and being entertained by numerous virgins whom they can take for their wives. Judaism, different forms of Judaism. Some don't believe in a God. Okay, Reform Judaism, many don't, do not. They simply teach once you die, that's it. Some teach the soul is immortal. Some teach a bodily resurrection. Christianity teaches Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed for each man and woman to die once. Then comes the judgment. Your eternal destiny will be determined by the decision you make for Christ here on this earth. All right? And you'll be forever with God or forever separated from him. All right. So which one is it? Is it extinction or there's something immortal? A immortal essence, a soul that survives the death of the body. Is it reincarnation and rebirth? Or is it you die once and then you face the judgment? We're not all saying the same thing when it comes to human destiny here. What about salvation? Well, because for the atheist ideology, there is no God. Once you die, that's it. No heaven, no hell. Hindus believe you're in an endless cycle of reincarnation. And hopefully, 
there are several ways to escape that cycle of reincarnation, right? By dedicate devotion to a particular God who will extend good karma to you so you can keep moving up in the next reincarnation and eventually be absorbed into the one, absorbed into Brahma, or through enlightenment or through good works, through those reincarnations, those millions of reincarnations, you'll keep moving up until you are absorbed into the one. All right. And in Hinduism and Buddhism, you're not an individual. Your individuality is an illusion. We're all a part of the one. Okay? We're all drops in the ocean. So as a drop lands in a mountain and must find its way to the ocean, so every person must find their way to union with the divine. And when you go to the ocean, you don't go, oh, look at all these billions of drops of water in the ocean. No, you just see a mass ocean. So same thing when you become absorbed into the one, not going to be billions of individuals. You're just part of the one. Buddhism teaches you're in an endless cycle of rebirth and you must accept the Four Noble Truths and follow the Eightfold Path. And hopefully you'll break that cycle of reincarnation and you'll enter into nirvana, nothingness, extinction. Muslims, through good works, hopefully on the Day of Judgment, your good works outweigh your bad works. And Muslim men will be allowed into Islamic paradise. Judaism, salvation comes through obedience to the law. Since most religions teach man is basically good or neutral, they can earn their way into salvation. Okay, It's made possible. Christianity teaches what? We're born sinners. There's nothing you can do to, no matter how hard you try and work, to earn right standing with God. You need a savior. All right? And God has made it possible through the giving of his son. And there's nothing we must do but receive okay, the gift of eternal life given through Jesus Christ. Okay? So which one is it? Is it good works or is it grace? We're not saying the same thing here. So if you just do a basic study of the world religions, you're going to see they make contradictory truth claims. So we can't all be right at the same time. Okay, now at this point, I'm not saying Christianity is true or not. I mean, we're making contradictory truth claims. Therefore, we cannot all be right at the same time and in the same way. If one of these religions is right, then the, then the others are wrong. Okay, because we're making contradictory truth claims. Steve Turner said this, We believe that all religions are essentially the same. At least the last one we read was, They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. Okay? In other words, on the basics, we all disagree. We're teaching contradictory truth claims here. Ravi Zacharias said, Most people think that all religions are essentially the same and only superficially different. Just the opposite is true. Hey, if you study them carefully, you will discover we're all making contradictory truth claims. And remember, the basic law of logic. Opposites cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. Okay, so logic reasons against it. Jesus and the apostles taught against it. Jesus says, the gate to eternal life is narrow and few find it. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said he is the only way. 
Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to which one may be saved. Okay, Acts 4.12. Okay, and Jesus confirmed his claim to be the only way to eternal Anyone can claim to know the way to eternal life. The question is, can you confirm that claim? And only Jesus did through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Jesus alone prophesied and accomplished his own resurrection from the dead, confirming his authority over every realm of creation. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He was saying, I am the source of life because I am the creator of life. And he demonstrated it by conquering sin and death and raising himself from the dead. So since Jesus is the divine son of God, what he taught about salvation is indeed true. Any teaching contrary to the teachings of Christ must ultimately be false then. And since pluralism teaches things contrary to what Christ taught, pluralism must ultimately be false. Now, we have two big questions to address. The first one, what about those who have never heard of the gospel? Okay, is God just in sending them to hell? Well, Hebrews 9.27 teaches there is no second chance. All right, so their decision has to be made when they're here on the earth. Well, what about those who haven't heard? Well, Romans chapter 1 and 2 makes it clear. God speaks through his word, special revelation, but God also speaks through creation, what we call general revelation, through creation and the conscience. Romans chapter 1, for what may be known about God has been made known through the things he has made, so that all men are without excuse. Okay, so through creation and the conscience, God has made himself known. So, creation every day points to a creator. If a man in the jungle or in Asia who has never heard the gospel looks at creation around him, he can conclude there's got to be an intelligent creator. All right, there's got to be a God. And the moral law within my heart, the sense of right and wrong tells me there is a moral lawgiver. When men acknowledge general revelation, okay, when that guy in Asia or Africa says, there's got to be a God, I want to know him. When they acknowledge general revelation, then God is responsible to bring special revelation, the knowledge of Jesus Christ to that person. General revelation cannot bring salvation, only an understanding that there is a God who exists. All right, and I need to get right with him. However, you need special revelation to bring salvation. And when they acknowledge general revelation, God brings special revelation to them. So all men have the witness of God. We see that throughout the Bible. When men acknowledge general revelation, God brought special revelation to them. For example, Acts 8, right? You had that Roman centurion, Cornelius. He was a God-fearing man, but he didn't know Jesus. He acknowledged general revelation. And so God said, go to Joppa and get this guy named Peter. God sent Peter a vision, said, these Romans are coming. Go with them. God brought them together and special revelation came to Cornelius. Hey, we see that throughout the scriptures. So when people acknowledge general revelation, creation and the conscience, and said, there's a God out there. I, I'd like to know this God. 
I hope he makes himself known to me. Then God is responsible to bring him special revelation. So everyone has had an opportunity. The final one I often hear is this. And for many of us who are first-generation Christians, we often hear this one, right? If my family is in hell, I'd rather be in hell with them than in heaven separated from them forever. How do you answer that? That's a tough one, huh? Well, here's a couple ways I answer it. First, how do you know they're in hell? How do you know at the last moment they didn't receive Christ? Many people have been exposed to the gospel message, and, and we don't know how they got exposed. I didn't realize my mom knew the gospel message long before I shared it with her. She got it because after the war, these missionaries came to Japan, and she wanted to learn English, and they went through the Bible. I didn't know that. So how do you know they're in hell? You know, you might think, oh, I'm going to go to hell and be with them. And you go there, and oh, they're not there. They received Christ at the last minute. They're, yeah, oh, bad deal for you. So you don't know that, okay? You don't know that. Second of all, we don't do things just because our friends do it, right? I have friends that smoke, do drugs, do steroids. Just because they did it doesn't mean I want to do it, especially if it's not good for you. So we don't always do what our friends do. So you don't know their eternal state. Second of all, when they're in hell, they're not the same person you saw here. They are different. They have fulfilled their sinful nature. They are forever separated from the love of God, the joy, the meaning of all that life was ever supposed to be, they've been separated from it. They're different, okay? I had a friend, when we were in high school, and so we, we were Christians, and we were great buddies. We had a lot of fun together. We grew up, we still had fun, but he got married and eventually ditched his wife, you know, in Japan. He ditched his wife and kids and just went off and lived a wild life. And I longed to see him, you know? I longed to see him and remember all the fun times we had and the great guy he was. Finally chased him down, and we met up. And you know what? He was a totally different guy. I didn't know who this guy was. And wherever he was, I didn't like him. You know, in hell, they've got what they want. They fulfilled the sinful nature. They're separated from God and God's grace. They're not the same person you saw here. All right? So you have a party and a fun reunion and, a, and party all night long in hell. You guys are all going to be different. The sin nature and all your sinful desires have been fulfilled and you're separated from God. And finally, what about those who follow you? Your children, your grandchildren. You want them going down there too? Why not you be the first, if you are the first, be the first one to lead the way to everlasting joy and eternal life so that your family, your children, your grandchildren, they'll be the ones who follow you and you set the trend. Why not you be the first to everlasting eternal life? Why not? So those are some ways that I address that particular issue. So some final implications are this. Those without Christ suffer eternal judgment and will live separated from Christ forever. How long is eternity? That's a long time. You know? Second, we're all called to participate in world missions somehow, whether we're going, whether we're sending, whether we're supporting. We're all called to participate and be a part of that great commission. Finally, to preach a gospel of pluralism is to preach a false gospel. Truth is not always comfortable. Truth is sometimes uncomfortable and tough. If you eat French fries every night, uh, you're going to get a heart attack. I don't like saying that kind of stuff, but it's true. Break the speed limit, you're going to get fined. You're going to get a ticket, might get your license taken away. I don't like telling people that. But hey, that's the truth. Sometimes truth is not comfortable. And no matter how difficult it may be, the truth of God's word 
stands true whether we like it or not. And so if we really love someone, we're going to present the truth no matter how much it may hurt us or them. All right. For more information, I know I went by pretty quick. There's a chapter on this in Unless I See and in our World Religions book, God, Eternity, and Spirituality. It's all about the world religions and evaluating it from a biblical perspective. And there's a whole chapter on pluralism and the uniqueness of Christianity. Okay? All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, Pat's books, and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.